everybody. I hope you enjoyed that first half of my conversation about peace with Amy Thomas. Here is that second half of it. And I just hope you are blessed and enjoy and are having a great Christmas season. So here we go. Back to Amy Thomas. I was thinking, you know, a lot of the things that you talk about and you kind of have as a platform, you write about a lot. If anybody follows um, your blog, you know that there's a a true thread that runs through a lot of what you talk about, um, and it's peace in the midst of chaos. And um, certainly that has to do with a lot of medical things, never knowing when surgery is coming and all kinds of things like that. But that also has to do relationally. Um, I mean, you are not outside of any other pain and loss and trauma that can happen to anybody else. You just have a little extra <laughs> just yeah. a little bit. I have a little to go around if anyone wants to. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't know how long you'll be in a certain amount of pain or less pain. What we what we said this summer was like defining the break, mm-hmm. how much of a break you'll get, things like that. But in the midst of that, you talk a lot about peace and you stand firmly on the idea of peace. So maybe can you unpack what what is peace? Um, is it possible in our current circumstances and how so peace is one of those words that it's kind of a buzzword and you know Mm -hmm. you see all that you go go to hobby lobby and you can get all the little signs that say things about peace and all those different things there's lots of verses in the bible about peace (laughs) and different things like that so peace is kind of a word that we throw around in a lot of things and uh, you know my um, my thesis statement in life is really that I, I'm living proof that peace is possible in mm-hmm. the midst of chaos. And I have gone through some pretty chaotic things medically. I'm never really on 100% solid ground no. medically. But I've also um, been through divorce after a pretty significantly long marriage. And I have one of those personalities where I take on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so I, I tend to, to, to have a lot going on in my life all the time. Um, yeah. But I think that peace in my mind, the, de- the definition of it and the way I view it is just absolutely being solid in who I am, not only in my personality and my God-given talents, mm-hmm. but also in my relationships mm-hmm. and who mm-hmm. I am in the world, like, uh, what my, what my purpose is, like what, what I was put here to do, mm-hmm. you know? And it's multifaceted of course, but I, I feel like a lot of people miss out on peace because they simply stay in the drama. We're, mm-hmm. used, we're going to take trauma out. We're going to put drama in, um, as the word, they, <laughs> they thrive in the drama yeah. of the negative things that happen in their life. Mm-hmm. And if you choose, you make a choice to flip that and mm-hmm. you make a choice to see the good in situations and the hope in mm-hmm. this life, then you can find peace. You don't lose who you are. You don't become mm-hmm. that drama version of yourself in your own eyes or in the eyes of other people. And that's, that's where the peace, that, that's where peace is possible. So a hundred percent. I believe it. Mm-hmm. I live it every day. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also the other flip side to that is really 
acknowledging the difficult things in life and really truly being able to appreciate them for yeah. what they're for for what they're bringing to your life um mm-hmm. we all have a story we all have difficult things that happen to us some of those things mm-hmm. are very 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 painful and life-changing and not an easy thing to even talk about let alone go through right but i recently got a tattoo on my wrist that says amor fati which is a is a statement um that i really live my life by it's a, a latin phrase um that's based on stoic philosophy but it means loosely translated it means the love of one's fate mm-hmm. um and it just means not to not to just to merely bear the difficult things in life, but yeah. to truly love them equally yeah. as you love the beautiful things in your yeah. life because it's all of those things together that make you as strong as you are mm-hmm. and make you who you were created to be. You know, we were created to to, to be and be on this path and, and, and live out this life. So mm-hmm. that's something yeah. that that kind of... Uh, funnels into that piece yeah that like this is your story and your story is packed full of hard things packed full of beautiful things packed full of hilarious things and all the all the things it's still your story and it can be difficult and good and beautiful all at the same time those things don't 100 they're not separate they can coexist and I think we miss that sometimes that um, life is only good when it's not difficult Um, and so really what I kind of hear you saying is that peace is a state of being where you embrace both of those worlds correct Um, and and I think like the thing that you do super well with this is that you've kind of assess and you're still you continually do this but you're you've been talking about this with me in the last couple weeks about just looking at your core values and the foundation that you stand on and you've kind of like divided up your life and you're a very organized person so this makes sense the way you've done it I mean like there's a whiteboard in your room that has all the all the goals and all the things you're very organized like and I think part of that has to do with just like getting the organization out of your brain and onto like hard surface so that you can actually do it um and one of the things you're good at is compartmentalizing each area of your life and saying, hey, like, okay, how is peace going to be possible in this section of my life? What things do I need to do and grab hold of? What things do I need to let go of so that peace is possible? So, like, there's some things that you do medically, but you you also are a, just a normal human being. And well, so there's... So. You have relationships and work and all other aspects of life. Um, that everyone else also has to deal with. Um, and so tell me about like the compartmentalization. Each, you know, you don't have to go through each of those areas, but maybe a couple examples. Mm-hmm. When you parse those things out, what are ways that you found peace in those things? So something I've worked on this past year is I, I did a series of statements in several areas of my life, medically, uh, relationships, physically, Spiritually, oh Siri wants oh, Siri in. Siri wants to talk to us. Siri actually. wants to be on the podcast. Siri wants to be on the podcast. Um, the uh, spiritually, physically, yeah. mentally, all these different areas in my life, and 
I just wrote a series of statements for each one. Mm -hmm. And I just started each statement starts with, I have found peace. And then you fill in the blank. So I have found peace medically by working with a medical team that I can communicate with. Mm -hmm. I have found peace medically by being willing to travel three hours to bend for all Mm -hmm. of my surgeries. I have found peace medically by committing to a rehabilitation schedule. Those are just a few, a few things, but I have found peace spiritually by plugging into a church that I feel welcome at. Mm -hmm. I have found speech or found speech. I have found peace Mm -hmm. spiritually by creating a routine, a solid routine of getting up and reading in the morning. Yeah. And so there's all these things. And so what I did, I, instead of making myself a list of all the things that I need to do mm-hmm. or that I wish to do or that I'm going to do, which mm-hmm. I try not to speak to myself in those terms. I just say, I am, this is how, I, this yeah. is what I have. This yeah. is what I'm doing. Yeah. I am doing this. This mm-hmm. is how I have found peace. Yeah. And in the recognition of those things, which have become writing prompts and different things or journaling and stuff in the recognition and really the meditation on each one of those things, it tends to expand and turn into more things, you know, and Mm -hmm. really create a very solid web of life Mm -hmm. to kind of fall into when things get crazy. So I love how, just how practical that feels because I, one thing that I struggle with a lot when people talk about, big concepts like peace joy and things like that is like it always ends up being super vague and I'm like I totally believe that too and I'm still struggling Mm -hmm. and I still don't know what can I do I'm a doer what can I do and sometimes for sure it's like you need to be still Mm -hmm. but like at least let me put it on my checklist to be still or something you know like whatever that is and I you know that has been a great um, way to think about that, um, uh, just dividing up your life. One resource that I found super helpful is when we, we did a conference with Bo Stern Brady now, um, edge the wild. And she had this, um, like assessment, this quiz, um, called circles of significance and, um, basically has seven circles of significance, just like the seven, just seven areas of your life, whether that's your tribe, your friends, romance and adventure, your health, your finances, all of these things. And you, um, kind of rate yourself on a few questions for each one. And then you kind of score yourself. Basically, you're looking at each of those areas of your life and seeing, okay, like how solid am I in these things? And naturally what's going to happen, what I've learned over the last year is that sometimes because you're pouring super hard into one area, you have to take from one or the other. Um, but eventually you want to bring balance back. But what I like about it is how practical it is just to have a launching point to say like, instead of just saying like, how do I be more emotionally healthy? Well, here's like five things that we use to assess where you're at in that. And it's not the end all be all, but it gets you started thinking about those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's funny is like, I did not think that my strongest one was going to be what it was. Like my strongest one was creative outlets. Yeah. And I was like, and like, and it, after yeah. I took it, you were yeah. like, well, of course, of course it is. Of course it is. And I was like, no, I, I honestly thought it was going to be something else. Um, And then looking at my, like, lowest ones, I was like, ooh, okay, like, I want those to be better. And so I think it's such a good practice to kind of parse out our lives and look, okay, um, what ways am I not as strong in certain areas, but also in what ways am I 
pulling from that bucket to put into something else. And eventually I need to bring balance back to it. So like last year, a lot of my health, health, like score, whatever you Mm -hmm. want to call it, that bucket is what I'm going to call it, had to be taken from and drawn Mm -hmm. from so that I could put it into purpose when I was, you know, transitioning the Harriet house to a new house mom to me. And so a lot of my time was consumed and my energy, everything by purpose, that, that area of my life. And then, you know, after I kind of felt somewhat more settled, I said, I, I have to go back and put back into my health bucket and, and take a step back from some of the things in the house and allow people to help me Mm-hmm. so that I can stay healthy physically not burn out. and not yeah. burn out. And so exactly. I, I kind of like that model um, just really practically to find peace, to find balance in our lives mm-hmm. um, is kind of how that works. But Correct. Rhythm. Rhythm. Yeah, rhythm is super, super important. Yep. So maybe, Amy, speak to, speak to the person, you know, if they're listening, who peace just kind of feels really out of reach. What do you think they need to hear right now? Well, so right now, I mean, we just got done talking about all of the sort of practical things that I do to recognize, you know, areas of or peace in various areas of my life and all the practical different strategies and things like that. But when you feel like it's out of reach and there's nothing that you can do and none of it mm-hmm. seems possible and there's it's confusing and it's overwhelming and just feels like there's uh there's so much more to it than what is a what you're able to grasp I actually know what that feels like I feel like in the midst of the depression thing that I went through this fall um after losing Jim it just it was a it was a thing that I I just started to recite to myself the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Just that mm-hmm. one little part of that verse over and over and over again. It became this routine and I would just like say it to myself when I'm driving. I say it to myself before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I say it to myself when I wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Those little things when, you, when you're just claiming, I, I just needed to claim the power in that phrase. Yeah. That the peace of God, it's, it does surpass all understanding. I don't understand what's happening right now. I don't get it. I feel out of control nothing mm-hmm. none of all of the little routines and practical things really felt like they were helping even though I knew they were yeah um, I knew I needed to keep moving but that piece felt really out of out of reach at that point and that's that's some really simple things that I that I do is I that's so why I recite that to myself mm-hmm. and every single morning when I'm getting ready for my day, I listen to the Chris Rice acoustic version of Great Is Thy Faithfulness mm, that's so uh, every single morning. It was my mm. number one song on Spotify. I was well, like, that yeah, makes no, sense. No, no surprise. <laughs> I probably listened to that for, it's I, so I think true. In, the, in the hospital, I probably listened to it 300 times. Mm-hmm. But it just, there's something about that particular version of that song. It's really stripped down. Yeah, super And good. it's just something that I just, I think you just have to just reach out and claim those things, you know? Yeah. I love that. And I feel like that's like, that's such a space where the enemy wants to come in when we're in that space and say that you're alone in that and to say, to lie about a lot of things that like, you're not feeling peace because whatever it is, fill in the blank, you're not enough of this or you're too much of that, 
whatever it might be um, and wants to come in and lie. And, and honestly, like today could be the day you claim that back. You decide because God is so ready right there. He's got it for you. It's available. Let go of the lies and acknowledge that's a lie. That's not real, whatever it is. And you can claim that peace back in your life um, through routine, through just believing God, um, just or even just hearing those words like like that phrase that you're talking about, Amy, over and over and over until you believe it. Because even if you have to say it, how many days have you said that to yourself that you're not sure you fully believe it? It just doesn't even matter if you believe it or not. It you doesn't. Say, you say it. There's power in, there's power in words. And, and that's just something that it's just absolute truth. It's so true. You say it over and over and over again. I don't, it, it does not matter. I tell myself it doesn't matter if it feels true, if it, if it doesn't feel true, if it, mm-hmm. you know, I know it's truth and I'm just going to speak it until it becomes, you know, totally evident in every every stream of my life mm-hmm. so christmas carols going on i'm hearing the christmas carols and the <laughs> you know i decided we we're gonna record this when the house is empty and it'll be so quiet and, they're and then there's just banging and, just, and things i'm so sorry everybody i'm so sorry you know welcome great. to christmas in the harriet house there's literally there's two, two, girls, two two girls here but two of 14 living their here. best life out there. Oh yeah, yeah. In the Christmas deep My goodness. session. Um anyways, I was just thinking about that like we were talking about that lie. The enemy likes to come in and interrupt our peace and I think the best best strategy, the only strategy really that he has is distraction um to get us away from alignment with Christ to receive his peace um that's so readily available to us that's and it's usually through a lie or multiple lies and so I was wondering, you know, what's one of the biggest lies that you've had to overcome in your journey for peace? Oh, that is easy. That's an easy one. Um, that I'm not worthy of, uh, of feeling at peace. Hmm. I, I really struggle with the worthiness thing. I don't know really necessarily where it comes from. I've always been super hard on myself since mm-hmm. I was a little kid. My parents will tell, will tell anybody that. And I'm just like, the most driven three-year-old you've ever met in your life. <laughs> reading the newspaper. No, no, no shocking. Yeah, oh, re- yeah, literally reading the newspaper at age four. But um, <laughs> And just always really driven, really focused kid. And then that sort of grew into, you know, commitments as I grew older and relationship mm-hmm. commitments and stuff that didn't really pan out. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, affected me emotionally in ways that you don't even really want to don't even really want to look at or acknowledge Mm -hmm. or whatever, but I do have this underlying battle with the fact that I feel like I'm not worthy of a lot of things, Mm -hmm. of being loved, of being, you know, of of being at peace and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I really battle against that. And I feel like those things like speaking absolute a hundred percent truth over and over and over again to myself is, Mm -hmm. is my biggest, um, combat weapon Mm -hmm. in that battle. Yeah. I mean, you just, I, I will not accept it. I, I refuse yeah. to accept the feelings of unworthiness because mm-hmm. I just know that, um, I, uh, you know, serve a God of redemption and I feel like it's gonna, it's gonna work out, yeah. you know, things yeah. are going to be good. I feel like you've they also, 
They are good. Yes, language is important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the other thing you've done too is surround yourself with people that will positively influence that, who will confirm in you, Amy, you are worthy of my time. Amy, you are worthy of my love. You are worthy of peace. You are worthy of these things. And not to say that you are just only surrounding yourself with people who agree with you, because that is certainly not true. And um, certainly not me. Either. And certainly not <laughs> you at all. Right. That. And so you have people who are readily available to challenge you, but that challenge is not... I mean, you can only be challenged if you know that you are loved. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't receive criticism from somebody who isn't, doesn't have your best interest at heart. And so that's one thing I would say that you have done really well at, and I know that this has been a journey to get here, is that you are unwilling to surround yourself with um, people in your close circle. Of course, you will connect with yeah. anybody, and, you know, that's not off the table, but, like, the people, as Bo might say, like the cheap seats versus mm-hmm. like people who are on the field with you, the people in your inner circle, your inner tribe, those people have to be willing to to be able to confirm that worthiness in you and to encourage you and to challenge you into the things that you are wanting to grow in. Um, and so I think that's something that is really evident that I think I try to learn from too. And I've seen since knowing you, I have weeded out some relationships in my life that were not necessary. Right. You know, and of course still like love people. And that sounds super harsh and I don't really know how other, any other way to say it, but like that so many times you've come to me and said, Mackenzie, why do you continue to enter into this relationship when you leave feeling so defeated and unworthy? And it's just, it's not, it's not healthy. And so I have seen my life has been whittled. My relationships have been whittled away to stand on more core relationships and it's Mm -hmm. still happening. Um, I still have some to kind of like weed Mm -hmm. through. Um, but I think that's something that's really, really evident, um, in you. And you also do that, that for other people, you know, like there's, been a lot of times you in my life personally where you've had to uproot lives lies that I've believed whether that's in relationship like I was just saying but or other things where it's a reciprocal thing it totally is and so you've just come in shovel ready and you're like well let's dig at that and I'm like whoa why are you there oh my gosh I mean it was like I think it was like two weeks ago right after Thanksgiving and you were like you said something that I was just like, nah, you know, (laughs) you're like, I just don't know how you do, how you are still doing this. And I'm like, that's just not a thing. And as like, I've thought about that and you know that I'm the kind of person that you have to drop a bomb and then like walk away for a few days for it to simmer (laughs) and for me to like understand it and process and all those things. But you basically you're saying if I receive less than 927 texts from you in a particular day <laughs> then you're you're pouting <laughs> listen <laughs> you just need a minute i just to need process. a minute i'm a processor for sure like it just takes me a minute to because a lot of things when we have to uproot something there are deep roots in yeah, there sure. there are deep roots and to pull that thing all the way out is 
painful, Mm -hmm. first of all. And secondly, you're like, I can't believe that. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that that was a weed. Like, I love this story that Hannah Brenner says. She's talking about how she like wanted to grow a garden one time. I don't know if you've heard this, but she wanted to grow a garden one time. And she was like so jazzed because they were growing, her garden was growing so fast. And her friend was over one day and they were like, what is wrong with your garden? She's like, look how big it is. He's like, listen, sis, those are weeds. Like they're super tall. And what she didn't realize is one, that they were bad. And two, um, that, that, they choke out the life of the other things of the good fruitful things that were in her garden, which was so good. And so sometimes, you know, the lies that you or other close people in my life that have to uproot in my life, I don't even realize that was a weed. I didn't know it was choking out life in me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's something that you do super well for me. And I know you do that with other people as well. Um, and so how would you challenge us, um, myself and other listeners, as we do this together in overcoming lies and uprooting them from each other's lives? What would you challenge us to do? You know, there's power in, there's power in uplifting other people. Mm. And taking the focus off yourself. We live in a society where there's so much hyper-focus on your own story and what you're posting on Instagram and what, uh, and what the, what the world sees your life as, yeah. you know, the, the curated set of images that you put on mm-hmm. Facebook or Instagram or whatever, or, or even just in your own life, like the image that you're projecting to your coworkers or to the, your friends or whatever, or just the people at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And since everything's so self-centered, mm-hmm. I think the biggest power and healing thing that that I've found is that when I take the focus off of myself, mm-hmm. whether it be with how I'm feeling physically or any other difficult thing that I'm going through, and I just focus that energy that I would have spent waddling, mm-hmm. just just wallowing in my own self-pity and yeah. I take that and instead I try to lift someone else up mm-hmm. by it yeah it it eventually you know it eventually brings you up it's like that old proverb that says a, a rising tide lifts all boats mm-hmm. and you you help other people up and you're gonna and you will be blessed yeah and you will simply be blessed by taking taking the focus off of yourself mm-hmm. um what you're doing here the harriet house or um what i'm attempting to do with supporting other people who's who have little kids with hydrocephalus mm-hmm. or teenagers or, or who are suffering from it and you know struggling through college or different things and stuff you know when you can really lift someone else up and help them through their struggles it gives a different perspective to your own struggles and, mm-hmm. and also your own worthiness. Yeah. It's just a, it's just really a better way to live. It is. It is. And the Bible talks a lot about that too. And I think about the fact that sometimes we just kind of become crusaders and we want to just jump in because we care so much. And you probably know this um, from being like a doer and just like, a snowplow when needed and like 
so needed. Like we need snow plows, obviously, but you just have to make sure there's nobody in the way. But like we can become all of us, not just Enneagram eights, um, become crusaders where we're just like ready to just jump into the people's lives that we have Mm -hmm. in our relationships and say like, that's a lie. Like, let's get rid of it. Like, that's this, like whatever. But you cannot enter that space until two things. One, you have a deep relationship with them. You have to be connected with them. I, um, you know, this is, we talk about this at work all the time with our kids, but, um, that you cannot do anything. Change cannot occur. You cannot influence change until you have a relationship until they care. They know that you care outside of their behavior. And that no matter what happens, Mm -hmm. like you still love them, even if they mess it up, they need to be secure in that knowledge first. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like I had this little boy when one day a couple months ago who just kept saying over and over and over like, I'm dumb, I'm dumb, I'm dumb. But like I had to say, who told you that? Who told you wow. that? Yeah. But I can't challenge that unless I have a relationship. And the second thing is, is you can't challenge it until they're ready to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they have to be ready to hear it. I mean, there have been times where I, I remember like when we went through this summer and we talked a little bit about my posture and changed some things about my posture. And I remember being just like so flabbergasted that I had gone through so much time in my life that my posture was just crap, (laughs) just crap. And I'm like, no one told me. I feel so deceived. How did I not know? I worked at rejuvenation therapy, a postural restoration, you know? And so like, how did this happen to me? And I remember, um, going to our mutual strength trainer and just so flabbergasted about it. And sweet Aaron says, Mackenzie, you, you couldn't have changed it until you were ready to hear it. And I thought about that. I, I thought, I wonder how many people actually did tell me that. And I wasn't ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, when we're in relationship with people and we're deep, deeply connected to them we know if they're ready to hear it or not correct we do like i don't know how many times you've like probably not said something because you're like she can't handle that right now <laughs> just probably most of the just time. Bite my i'm tongue. just a glass <laughs> case of emotion well, i think there there is that and you're talking about kind of more challenging statements and in more challenging support in you know, lifting people in an, in another way. Mm-hmm. But I just think simply taking the focus off of yourself when you're, yeah. when you're feeling, you know, like you're, you're too hyper-focused on your own, you know, the weeds in your own life mm-hmm. that there's, there's power in just really simple, basic things. Yeah. Like go and, and connect with somebody that you've never met before Ask them their story. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take much. No. It really doesn't take much to get people talking and then you'll learn something. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll just ramble on and on and on and, it does, mm-hmm. and, and there's no point to it. But for them, it was the first so time important. in two, three weeks that somebody asked them how they were doing yeah. or something about them. You just mm-hmm. don't know. Mm-hmm. So I think it. Yes, it goes. It, it you absolutely have to have really strong relationships with people in order to challenge them mm-hmm. mentally, spiritually, physically, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you have endless 
opportunities to smile at someone in a coffee yes. shop. Yes. To give somebody a compliment about their hair. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't it doesn't take anything. It doesn't no. cost anything. No. Asking someone what their story is or how they're feeling today and in a specific way. Yeah. Because don't just say How you doing? Yeah, how are you doing today? Great. You're doing fine. Yeah. You know, or whatever. If you open up a conversation with somebody that has a specific, mm-hmm. you know, a specific question, it costs nothing. Yeah. It costs your time and your and, and your attention in like five minutes away from your iPhone. Right. It's it. You want your screen time five, to go down? That I'll tell five, you that. <laughs> that five minutes uh, that you spend on someone else, mm-hmm. just just giving someone else your attention, mm-hmm. heals you. Yeah. It it heals you. It totally does. And I, and it kills the lies that are that that are permeated into our brains about ourselves. Yeah. Because it just it just does. Because then it it's does. no longer about us and our pain where we're stuck in the vicious mm-hmm. circle of a loop obsessing about mm-hmm. it and all of a sudden it's about someone else and then we get perspective and a lot of things. In that way, I heard a pastor once and I have been so challenged by this. It is much more difficult than I anticipated. But he said, when you are ta- when you go to talk to someone or you sit down with somebody, uh, try to ask them three questions before you say anything about yourself. Oh, that's really good. It's so difficult. So hard, yeah. So difficult. Yeah. Especially, like, I'm the kind of person who's like, I want to relate. And so I'm like, uh-huh. oh, well, one time, this, me, too. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. No. You yeah. just, like, three questions. And it is it's super difficult it's super difficult but that that helping thing that when we move outside of ourselves that is super powerful that's something that we do sometimes at at school with our kids especially like our older kids who are struggling with their behavior and they just like we're kind of at an impasse sometimes what we do is like not as a punishment not as a reward but just to break up the day Um, we'll stick them in a kindergarten classroom to help like get because let me tell you how difficult it is to get kindergartners on a computer to do math (laughs) like they're like get the mouse what's a mouse like a real mouse like no you know (laughs) so like to have a fifth grader come in and help help, it 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 changes them in such a powerful way gives them so much purpose oh and then they walk through the school and kindergartners see them and they're like Amy, you know, and they're just, that's amazing. They are so So excited to see you. And all of a sudden you realize that there is something more. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's just widening the lens of your perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and that there is still power inside of you and there's still good that you can do even with the circumstances that you're struggling in. Um, and so I really, I really like that because of course, like there's ways to go deep with somebody, but there also is super easy ways to just engage with people and I like the idea of limiting your screen time like the only way you can actually like get a better report on your screen time thing like it's like you've been up 40 percent no like you have to replace it with something yeah you can't just like limit yourself which you can I have a lock on my phone for Instagram but but in order for me to not even worry about it I Mm -hmm. replace it with other things Mm -hmm. right and so that's that's really really important but Anyways, well, thanks for talking yeah, you're to me Thank today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, Appreciate you. I always, always like to ask, what's something you're enjoying in just 
anything that, you know, somebody needs to watch this or read this or see this or whatever. You know, I just got back from Vegas yesterday. Oh, yes. This little two-day trip. See a girlfriend down there. Find some sunshine. Oh, and yes. she had tickets to the Shania Twain <laughs> concert. That she's doing a residency at Planet Hollywood. And we went to see Shania Twain. And it was like a 90s country music extravaganza. <laughs> I'm telling you. There were so many sequins. And I'm so jealous. Male dancers. And oh, just uh, all kinds of like set changes and costume changes. And a whole like theater of men singing man, I feel like a woman, which was entertaining in itself. Wow. But you know what? That woman, she can still sing and She's dance. athletic. And she is running for two hours and 15 minutes. It's impressive. And she's but how old? I think she's in her early 50s. I think the girls were saying she's like 52 oh or something. God. I'll have to like Wikipedia it. But anyway, she was impressive. She's an impressive lady. And <laughs> I will tell you, it's not anything I would have ever bought tickets for or considered going to just... But we laughed and danced and sang all the silly things, and it was really, really fun. Amazing. So, um, Shania Twain at Planet Hollywood is just what's (laughs) good. If you're in Vegas, if you're in Vegas (laughs) and you can get tickets, I guess she's um, she's there until through the summer or something, Mm. like off and on. So Mm. I just looked it up. She's fifty four. She's fifty four. Well, impressive. Dang, girl has got some skills. Literally, really, literally. She's doing real well for oh my gosh. So, oh anyways, my gosh. yeah, I love How it. How about you? Um, right now, I just list, just started, just very briefly started listening to, um, the Grove podcast, uh, which oh is gosh. out of Louis Giglio's church in Atlanta, um, and it's just for women, and um, just really blessed by it. I was listening to Catherine Wolf. Is her name? I think. Oh yeah, she's incredible. Oh, I so her incredible. Her book uh, Hope Heals is amazing. Super good. Well, her and her husband wrote it mm-hmm. about her medical journey. Yeah, and so I was just listening to that this morning, and just um, really trying to pour in um, some. I feel like I've been not always, but missing some more balance of like women speakers Mm -hmm. in what I am listening to and consuming. And, um, unfortunately it's kind of a short list. Um, but, um, just really trying to expand that and, uh, go a little deeper in that influence as I am growing and learning and changing as a speaker and awesome podcaster writer I don't know what I'm doing so I was just listening to the Grove and I really enjoyed it so that's awesome yeah that's awesome um do you have any fun Christmas traditions that you are about to experience embark on yes my grandmother who passed away about 10 years ago on my dad's side uh had a cinnamon roll recipe that I was, that I got handed down to me, and um, I have not made these cinnamon rolls in several years, and I've had more than one of my siblings at this point ask if I'm making cinnamon rolls. For oh, Christmas. they're ready. So yes, this is a this is a tradition, Tom's family tradition. So fun. Super I think fun. I'm gonna do that for Christmas morning, and. Um, yeah, it'll be fun. Hang with the fam. Big family, so yeah. Yes, so we'll just, you do. <laughs> we just do real casual, so it's nice. That's fun. Sweatpants? Yes, sweatpants. <laughs> sweatpants for life. I'm all about sweatpants. I feel like I always see in the movies people like dress up for like Christmas dinner, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not. Why? That, that's not a thing. No. They pass the food around like a fancy table and stuff like they're, you know. Nah. In a, 
I mean, it's I cute. Hope it's not no, magazine, but, but yeah, no. you know, but <laughs> it's all about buffet style eating. Mm-hmm. We usually, I live with two of my siblings, and we, over the last couple of years, we've done like breakfast burritos, like a, a breakfast burrito like bar for 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 brunch basically that's my ideal christmas right there and then uh get together with the fam Mm -hmm. bam bam that's awesome for later and then we eat kind of mid-afternoon so mid-morning and then mid-afternoon and it's all buffet style everybody's casual it's really nice that's super fun i like that i love it so anyways all right well thanks for being on today we love having you thank you so much we hope that if we don't post another before christmas that everybody has a wonderful christmas and just refocusing on advent uh as i dive back into that too all right merry christmas everybody merry christmas